0: to be celebrating the victorious work that God is doing through your church. And I chose it for a couple of reasons. The first is that even on days of celebration, especially on days of celebration, there's often people in our midst who are still hurting. The second is that when you cry out to God, as the psalmists do, it demonstrates confidence that not only does God exist, but that God will help us, and that God cares. And so to reintroduce our psalm for this morning, I'm going to invite Pastor Stephen up again. Sorry, Steve, it's not a complete day off for you. And we're going to do a little bit of a dramatic rendition of Psalm 36 that comes partly from the NIV, partly from the message, and partly from my imagination. And so as we're going through this, I really want you to imagine that you are among the original crowd hearing the psalm for the first time several hundred years before jesus came to save his people
1: good morning everyone could i have your attention please i have a message from god from my heart
0: wait 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 no one has heard from god in several years just who do you think you are
1: The message I have from God concerns the
0: sinfulness
1: of the wicked. Perhaps we haven't heard from God because of the sinfulness of the wicked.
0: Hold on a second. Just who are you calling sinful and wicked? Does that apply to you or me or the bully on Facebook or the premier or the prime minister or perhaps Donald Trump?
1: (laughs) Donald Trump. Listen, I'm not here to point fingers or single anyone out. I'm here to explain those who are sinful and wicked include those who are excited to do things they know are wrong, and those who do not have respect for God, or those who flatter ourselves too much to detect or hate our sin, those of us who say dishonest things, or fail to act wisely or do good, as well as anyone who disregards the feelings of someone or plays with fire who doesn't care who gets burned. Sadly, I think this might apply to each of us at one time or another in our lives.
0: Well, I don't know what to say, except you really know how to kill the mood of a celebration on a Sunday morning. I wasn't around the last time God spoke, but I'm pretty sure it was far less depressing. Where's the hope in that? Why should we listen to you anymore?
1: Why, thank you, my friend, for that perfect segue. Look up. Look way up. Each of us is sinful and wicked because of the many impure things that we think, say, or do to hurt God and other people. Many of us may be afraid to admit it because we're afraid of God or others not accepting or loving us anymore. But we need not be afraid because God's love "...reaches to the heavens, His faithfulness to the skies. We need not be depressed by our guilt, but rather when we acknowledge our sin, we learn more about how God intends to use the struggles we face for the good of ourselves and others and experience His unconditional love. When we admit our mistakes and tell God and the people that we've hurt that we are sorry for our sins... Our sins lose their power over us and we are more free to live in the abundance that God has for us.
0: How can it be that even though my thoughts, my actions hurt God and hurt hurt other people, God still loves me?
1: Because God's righteousness is like the highest mountains, His justice like the great deep, His purpose titanic, His verdicts oceanic, Yet in his largeness, nothing gets lost. Not a man, not a mouse slips through the cracks.
0: You're kidding. So in spite of all my failings, God will still love me and provide for me? Now that is good news.
1: I'm glad you see God's light, my friend. The last words that God laid on my heart to share with you at this time is a prayer, which you're welcome to pray with me. How exquisite your love, O God. How eager we are to run under your wings, to eat our fill at the banquet. You spread us as you fill our tankards with Eden spring water. You're a fountain of cascading light, and you open our eyes to light. Keep on loving us, your friends. Do your work in welcoming hearts. Don't let the bullies kick us around or those whose morals are weak, bring us down. Allow us to win over those trying to cause trouble. Amen.
0: Amen. So, the first thing that the psalmist does is explain that he has a message from God in his heart. And that goes to the psalmist's credibility. And I think it's an important reminder for each of us because all of us have messages from God in our hearts. We can speak to the the ways that God has provided for us in the past, the ways that he is providing for us in the future, and even the ways that we hope that he will provide for us, the ways that God is providing for us in the present, and and the ways that we hope that he will provide for us in the future. Um, In recent years, I've had the privilege and the joy and the delight of spending some time doing ministry in Guatemala. and I think I hope and I pray that it's the Lord's will that I spend more time um, in, in those parts of the world uh, because of the things that I've learned there and I, I've gained from the people there who um, have blessed my life. And so one of the reasons that I am do- one of the things that I'm doing to prepare for that is to, to learn Spanish. One of the things that I love so much about the Spanish language is how much faith is embedded in the language. So, for example, the word for hope in Spanish is esperanza. Interestingly, the same root word is also used to mean to wait for something. And so, therefore, when Spanish speakers are speaking about hope, they're not just talking about a wish, or a desire, but they're talking about something that they expect the Lord to provide for him, them and something that they're confident that the Lord will do. Brittany, can I just have... Yeah. Continuing... In Psalm 36, there's a laundry list of the ways that we disappoint God and fall short of his standards in verses 1 through 4. Now, call me crazy, but I think that this is in some ways encouraging because it shows that sin is not just my problem. It's not just your problem. It's everyone's problem. The hurts that we feel and, and the hurts that we experience are not just because we don't have a, thin, uh, a thick enough skin, but it's because of the brokenness our world, in our world. And we can rely on the Lord to provide encouragement and strength in the midst of all of those things. Can I have a little bit more water in the next word. Right. And so continuing with verse five, God, the psalmist compares God's love and faithfulness to the highest heavens. And in this situation, it's clearly, it's clear that he's trying to show that God's love and faithfulness are abundant, are limitless. After all, at that time when he wrote it, he did not have access to Google Images. And even now, the scientists and astrologists cannot fathom the extent of speaks. And so, we can know from the psalmist's example that God's love and faithfulness were endless for him. Now, biblical historians suspect, suggest that Psalm 36 was written by King David And so perhaps if they're correct, King David knows that God's faithfulness is limitless because very very early when he was a boy, the prophet Samuel came to anoint him. Then some years later, he was able to kill Goliath, the Philistine giant, with only five smooth round stones. That story is awesome. Loved it as a kid, still love it now. Continuing on in David's life, after he successfully defeated the Philistine giant, he was quite popular, and King Saul didn't like that very much. So King Saul vehemently pursued his life, trying to kill him. Thankfully, David's best friend happened to be King Saul's son, Jonathan. And so he thwarted many attempts on David's life so that David could prosper and eventually become king. Even after that, though, when it seemed as though David had it all, he still had struggles. He was overtaken by the power of lust. And as he lusted for Bathsheba, he had Bathsheba's husband the general in the army killed so that he could be with Sheba. and yet even though King David struggled with all of these things God was still faithful to him and so King David's example shows that whether we are pursued for faithfulness we struggle with lust and adultery or any other sin that we are struggling with God will still love us and provide for us Next, the psalmist King David describes uh, describes God's righteousness like the highest mountain. Now, I think I have a picture of myself in Guatemala on a mountain. Is it possible to predict that? Yeah, I don't know how well you can see that. It's by no means the highest mountain whatsoever, but it's a beautiful mountain nonetheless. And it's the highest place that I've ever ever been. And... While I was there, it was really impressed upon me how much and how far I could see. Uh, Things, uh, way, 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 several hundred kilometers in the distance were in some ways visible. And so, as I thought about that, and I thought about that this is by no means close to the highest mountain where God can see everything, clearly, God's perspective of righteousness is far wider than we could ever imagine and so perhaps that is why king david uh, a person who visibly struggled with sin can still be called a friend of god a man after god's own heart and a righteous man at that and that is why you and i have no right to judge the righteousness of other others because god's perspective is far greater than ours And he can take far more into account. I'll just have a little bit more water, Brittany. I know that God judges fairly and that God is faithful. And then David goes on to describe God's justice like the great deep. Now, I like swimming, but I'm not much of a diver. My mom, though, was a scuba diver, and she used to tell stories of diving so deep that it was black. You were so far from a light source that you couldn't even see which way is up. And I think that this is a valuable analogy for God's justice because even if we're hurting so deeply that we don't know which way is up and everything is dark, we can trust that God is working toward justice and that God will help us make it to the surface again. What's next, Brittany? After the psalmist describes God's justice and the vastness, um, he talks about the preservation of people and animals. This became so real to me in this previous year, um, and I'm so glad to be able to share it with you. As Steve mentioned, I recently graduated from my master's, which was not only a blessing, but also posed many challenges. Um, Having to find an accessible house in Ontario can be harder than you would think. And so I was on waiting list upon waiting list upon waiting list, and I was delaying my graduation and delaying my graduation as much as I possibly could, because as long as I was still a student, I was safe in the the student housing at the university that was accessible to me. Um, But the time came... When I would, when I could no longer stay as in the student residence. And I was freaking out. Because although God has been faithful to me in the past, I forgot and I thought, the, you know, the, with all the waiting lists that I'm on, there's still five years, God. What am I going to do? I might be homeless and this could be really bad. Um, and so a friend of mine from church reminded me of God's faithfulness. And she said, you know... It might be good just to apply to this one more place. They have a few accessible units, and I know it's a long shot, but you might as well try it. And I thought, that is about as pointless as putting the, the fish nets on the other side of the boat after a night of not catching anything at all. But God did it for the disciples, so maybe God will do it for me too. And sure enough, I applied to this waiting list that was supposed to last about seven years, and within two months, I had the accessible house that I needed. Not only is it an accessible house but it, and a roof over my head, but it's a house that I love very much because it enables me to be part of the same faith community that I've been a part of for many years and work in the same office that I love working at for many years with the co-workers and so on and so forth. And so now that space is a space where I get to Bless people and encourage them to follow the Lord, which I'm very, very thankful for. (laughs) Lastly, the psalmist describes God's refuge as the shadow of his wings. Now, this may be hard for us to relate to because none of us are birds in here. And so we don't know what it is to be such a small, vulnerable creature as a bird hiding under its wings hiding under its mother's wings. But let's just think for a moment about what that would be like when a baby bird seeks refuge under its mother's wings. It's instantly warm, instantly sheltered, instantly receiving intimacy from its mother or father or whoever it's hiding underneath of. And it's safe from all predators, which when you're a baby bird, I'm not sure, but I think there's a lot of them, including humans. So, I'm struck by the closeness and intimacy between a baby bird and its mother, because closeness and intimacy is not really one of the things that you and I might think of when we think of a relationship with God. Maybe we think of God as distant, or judging, or punishing, rather than warm and intimate. But the example of the baby bird says, no, I want you to be close to me, I want you to be protected by me and provided for by me, and I will do it. And you have nothing to worry about, little baby bird. It's kind of like the modern-day analogy, I think, of the baby bird is the underdog. And all of us have hopefully rooted for an underdog at one point or another, whether it's a sports team that just isn't successful despite many, many efforts, or a less privileged member of society that eventually catches a break because someone who is similar to them but has had more opportunities or more resources is able to share with them what they need to overcome adversity. Sometimes God uses congregations like yours to do this. In my own life, Although my childhood wasn't easy, I can look back and say that there were certain members of my church family and my extended family that sheltered me and protected me and provided for me when no one else could, and also that they are the reason that I could rise above and succeed in spite of adversity today. One such person is Johnny Erickson Tata. Some of you may know her I'm. Um, Many years ago, she became famous for writing a book of her life story and um, that eventually became a movie in the 70s, I think. Um, Now she has a worldwide ministry to people with disabilities around the world. That's why it's called Worldwide. Chantal, figure that out. Um, And I have had the privilege of looking up to her my entire life and thinking, well, if Johnny can do it, then maybe I can too, with the help of the Lord. And I'm so thankful because um, in my undergrad, I had the privilege of working with her. Um, And she has given me many opportunities, including going to Guatemala to speak to people around the world about faith and disability and what it means to be faithful in the midst of disability. And so... Over the years, Johnny and I have been become very close. And in some ways, this has made me more like her. Now, I am I have to be careful there because the goal in life is not to become more like Johnny, but more like Jesus. And I think that Johnny, no pun intended, is just a couple steps down the road for me. And so when I follow her, I automatically become closer to Jesus. And I, I, I want to impress upon you all that the reason that we need we need to become become close to god or come closer to god or remain close with god is because the goal at the end of our lives is to become more like christ and to be as much in his likeness as possible by the time that we reach eternity with him and so then David concludes the psalm. And before I do that, I'm just going to take a little bit more water. I'm most encouraged because the beginning of Psalm 36 makes it clear that there can be a great distance between us and God. In contrast, the end of Psalm 36 is where David says, Keep on loving your friends. The friends of God, I hope, include me, Steve, and all of you. And hopefully anyone else that we, we come into contact with and share the love, love of Christ. But then, King David surrenders control and, and asks God to protect him because I think it is the um, as though in learning all of the ways that he has tra- transgressed against God, he knows that it is in his best interest to surrender control and just allow God to love him. And so I, that, is a, that is what we all need. And I, I see here many people and a great building that seeks to move closer to Christ. And I pray that you continue to do that for the next 186 years as well. And with that, I will conclude.